Hi, I'm Noah Behrman. And I'm Jen Allen, and this is 149 Sessions. On this episode of our podcast, we talk about inspiration, what it's like to work with it, what it's like when we can't find it. Please enjoy. Hi, Jen. Greetings from the sunroom. I'm really excited that we're getting to do this again today. Me too. It's a cloudy day in the sunroom, so there's a bit of irony there, but I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> it's good, though, because my sunroom can get really, really hot when the sun is beaming down. And typically, it doesn't do that in the morning, and this is pretty early morning for for uh, for us, at least. So far. Maybe, so. maybe we'll uh, start to get in the habit of 5 a.m. podcasts, but... Uh, <laughs> That's statistically unlikely so. on my end. Yeah, mine too. I mean, I get up early, but not 5 a.m. early. 5.30. Okay, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll negotiate that. I'm just joking. I don't think I can function at that time in the morning. So anyway, it's a nice day. It's not, not too sunny, not too... It's not anything else. It's not rainy. I don't mind a cloudy day. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all part of the, part of the spectrum. Yes. As is an mm-hmm. unintended segue, mm-hmm. um, feeling uh, beams of radiant creativity at some times and feeling kind of dry and dark at other times. And as, yeah. as uh, working artists, we of course have to figure out how to uh, navigate through both of those things. Mm. Yeah. How are you feeling right now? Um, like, th- where are you in that spectrum? That's interesting. I guess. I'm in a place, for the last week or so, I've been feeling inspired but unusually busy and thus, which is actually one of the challenges that happens sometimes when the, the um, creative energy doesn't coincide with having the space to um, do anything about it tangibly. I mean, mm-hmm. except for try to preserve the ideas. Yeah. How about you? Where am I at? Yeah. Well, I kind of wanted to say like that, that part that you're in, like I, I, some way, I I think that might be how it goes. You know, I've, I've heard people talking about creativity and like, forget who this was. Um, it was some famous, like maybe country singer or something was like, you know, you know, taking a drive and he was going someplace and all of a sudden, um, this song came to him and he just started being like, no, it's not time. I don't have any way to record this, you know, like kind of in a conversation with that creative spark Mm -hmm. being like, you know what? I just don't have time for that right now. And like, I need you to come back. Like, and like, it was like, you could talk to that um, creative force and like invite it back another time. Interesting. (laughs) I guess for me, uh, I try to, I've learned to be more, and I'm not going to drop the subject of where you're at right now, but I, uh, I've, I've developed a relationship with my muse, for lack of a better term, where I just try to be very gentle and appreciative mm. and uh, um, not take for granted that she will come back if I'm like, you know, that's not convenient right now. I, I, don't, I don't need what you're offering to me. You know, I feel like it's sort of... Uh, a sacred thing when she speaks and I need to to listen yeah I need to listen yeah. and listen and obey and yeah. uh, and sometimes the obedience pushes me in directions that seem outwardly inconvenient to what I'm actually on a conscious level trying to accomplish mm. um, but I've 
learn to just kind of go with that flow. And so if, if the ideas come at a moment when, uh, it's not convenient, I just try to find, you know, I mean, I'm grateful for the modern era of like just being able to sing a voice memo into my phone from a (laughs) rest stop on the, on the road or whatever, so that I can at least keep the idea. It's interesting. I had, I haven't had this conversation, uh, in a while, but, um, my friend Dave Copperman years ago, um, made and stood behind the statement that that shouldn't be necessary because, um, I, so I don't actually know if he still believes this, but, uh, um, you're not speaking for Dave. (laughs) I'm not. So if he's listening, I'm sure we will, um, resurrect this conversation, uh, in response to this, but I, I basically, if, if an idea is good enough, if a song in this case is good enough, then you won't forget it. Mm-hmm. Like you don't need to capture it. You don't need to write it down. If, if, if you have the idea and then it goes away because you didn't document it for yourself, then it wasn't that good an idea in the first place. And oh, I, 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 I saw where he was coming from and ultimately didn't agree with that because yeah. ultimately there's plenty of valid things that I mean this certainly the older I get and the more um the more the cranial hard drive gets full um th- there's not necessarily <laughs> that uh direct a correspondence between the quality of the idea and how much it sticks so yeah. some really great thing that I wanted to tell one of my kids will come and go but like that really lousy um, song that I hated from the eighties comes on <laughs> in the supermarket and it's stuck in my head for a week. Yeah. And yeah, I think that is kind of a, um, I had, I had an experience like just last week where I was just really stressed out and I, I sat down at the piano and I just, just started to improvise. Um, and this beautiful melody came, like, I really thought it was beautiful. And I was like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta, put on my phone and I put on my phone and I played through it and I just kind of like, you know, caught it and then <laughs> accidentally deleted it. Oh. And I was so upset. Oh my oh, gosh, it was wow. torturous. And I was like, okay, can I remember it? You know? And I put something back together that was, you know, similar. I don't think it was like that original, like first improvisation, you know, where I was just kind of feeling it. And I, and I, at first I was really sad, but then I, it was like kind of, where I'm at just in my life, I was like, okay, there are things that I have to let go. Mm. You know, I have to, I can't grasp onto things like, you know, I can't hold on to it. It, it Right. So it was a beautiful moment that you didn't have the option of clinging to. And so you could appreciate that that happened and not feel like it needed to be, well, of course not the other choice at that point, but right. uh, I felt like it was a lesson almost yeah. because it was a, a yeah, lesson yeah. in like, you know, sometimes things are just a gift and you just have to experience that for yourself, mm. not for anybody else. Right. And that I have never deleted a voice memo by accident. I know that's wow. it's actually, it's actually pretty easy to do. I didn't yeah, realize it, yeah. but like if you swipe one way and I hit it and I was like, Oh my God, like my face, it? well, I, it's just, but yeah, I thought yeah. that that was the point. The point was like, am I going to listen to, to this, this experience and, and what it's trying to teach me right now, you know? And it was like, don't cling 
to this as your like salvation at this moment. Like right. this is the most beautiful, like it was a gift. Take it. And it's, you know, and I, and I did salvage together parts of it that I really thought were nice. And I wrote those down a little less um, risky in the deletion right, right, right. <laughs> process. But anyway, I don't know if this is true for you, but I find the older I get and the more um, catalog I have amassed, so to speak, just the more music I have written or created or whatever. Um, I tend, I still appreciate it when something that I think is beautiful comes, but I'm a little less precious about it in general. Mm -hmm. Sort of like if I've, you know, if there's, this is not an actual number, but if you've got a hundred things already, then the hundred and first thing is statistically at least less significant than that same one thing if you only have 10 things. Yeah. You know, it's sort of, like if I uh, get hit by a blimp tomorrow, then um, whether or not I captured that one idea is not necessarily going to be that. In the moment, I'm very attuned to that thing and I want to make it beautiful. And that's part of what sustains me as an artist. Mm. But I also have a certain perspective that, you know, it's not going to be that consequential to my life's work, whether right. this particular idea comes to fruition. And sometimes I even find this happened a couple times recently, either voice memos or even like uh, written out music from things that I sketched out and didn't finish years ago. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I, I have no memory of writing this thing, right. but that sounds kind of cool, you know? Yeah. But at that point, it's as if I'm discovering something that somebody else wrote yeah, because I that. have so little memory Connection of the generative of it, yeah. process of creating it. Right. Well, I think that that's, I think that's healthy because, I mean, I had another experience in the last month or so where I composed a piece and, um, well, I, I'll get specific because, I Please. mean, you know. <laughs> um, so I, I write for the BMI um, Jazz Composers Workshop. And about, you know, it was two months ago, actually, because it'll happen again this month. So not quite two months ago. But anyway, I wrote a piece. And I really thought it was going to be a good piece for the big band. I was like, oh, this is, it came to me kind of naturally, the the melodic ideas. And I heard other stuff. And I was like, oh, this is going to, this is going to sound good as a big band piece. And um, I brought it in, and it was like one of the worst readings I've had of a big band piece. And and it wasn't, mm. and I could see where the things that went wrong were. Like my drum part wasn't very good. Um, uh, there were certain things that I had written that, you know, like I could I could pinpoint some of the things. Like the, uh-huh. the tempo was too slow. You know, there were a bunch of things. Um, but I was crushed. Yeah. by that reading, you know, and I left and I I had tears like of like pain, you know, sure, like as I'm sure. driving home, I'm like, I suck. I am oh. the worst composer ever. I, I thought this was going to be great. And it was just terrible. Like, and now like, mind you, half of it is like, I don't have time with that band to actually describe what I want. And so, right. so it's like, if I'd had time, I'm sure it could have sounded a lot better, you know, but in that moment, I guess I had just put so much yeah. value into this piece that I was thought was going to be really great. You know, no one said anything about it. I think typically people would be like, oh, I really like this or I really like that. Nothing. Nobody. It was oh, like silence. Man. It was just like it bombed in all sorts of ways. And I was just <sighs> like, okay, I feel like crap, you know? Yeah. And, um, 
And it, but again, it was this like learning lesson for me because I, I felt like crap for like a good week after that. And I was like, why am I doing this? It's like big question. Like it just put a big question mark over wow. why do I do what I do? I, I thought I was on this upward trajectory of writing music and like my last piece, I have to be better than my last piece. Every piece has to be progressively better, I you know? Saying, yeah. And here I am, I just flopped, you know? And I, and I went home um, and over that week, I really thought about how I was reacting to this mm-hmm. one piece of music. And I said, okay, something is unhealthy because I am putting so much value, my own value as a person, onto this one piece of music. And not even this know? one piece of music, but this one, one performance short of experience it. of yeah. it being read. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I was crushed. I really... It's embarrassing. Like, I was embarrassed at how... I'm embarrassed now about how badly I felt at that point in time. Mm. Like, I really thought I should just stop playing music, stop writing music. Like, it's over. You know, I have no skills. And I, and I was sitting there, and I was thinking about it. And I even posted something on Instagram being like, oh, it didn't go the way I went. I was trying to be positive about it, right. you know? Yeah, and yeah. I just... I was not positive about it. I was, like, you know, distraught. And, um, but the good that did come out of it is that I realized I never want to do that again. Like I never want to have so much invested in one right. piece of music, you know, that, um, that I, I feel that way, you know, I mean, I'm sure I'm going to feel like that again, but I don't well, wanna... I mean, but yeah, I guess there's an extent to which you can, you know, feel that to an extent, but also it's as if you're observing it from the outside, um, with a certain degree of detachment. It's like, okay, you know, that that didn't feel good and I'm going to wallow in this for a little while and then get on with it uh, yeah. as opposed to sort of letting it, I mean, I've been there, believe me, <laughs> but uh, yeah. letting it fully inhabit your being. Yeah. And there's a certain, I mean, in my experience, there's a certain um, need to be willing to let go of both of those extremes uh, you know, I mean, I guess it's, this is people who have, I, I say this, not making light of this, but it's sort of like some of the principles of managing bipolar disorder, um, uh, crystallized into approaching one's approach to composition. So even if you do not clinically have bipolar disorder, it's sort of, are you willing to sacrifice those highs in order to shield yourself from the extreme lows Mm -hmm. and uh you know so i i seldom i seldom experience that kind of despair or the corresponding degree of euphoria Mm -hmm. at this point because i've kind of chosen to i wouldn't say it's not like i'm detached from it but uh to kind of try to take the middle way as they say or whatever mm. and if something goes really terribly it's like okay that was extremely unpleasant and <laughs> what do I need to learn from yeah. this and yeah. if it goes really well it's like that was extremely pleasant what do I need to learn from this right, and right. Uh, sort of um, yeah. breathing through it in either way and uh, um, but yeah it's t- you know when things do go well as they have at times for you because you are such a good musician and not a failure mm, um, it's uh it's easy to get pretty uh, addicted to that feeling and just crave more and better of that, and which is totally understandable. And of course, we do want to have those great experiences, but uh, yeah, once the ego gets involved, that's oh, yeah. uh, that's rough. Ego is such a weird, a weird thing to have involved in that creative kind of process because 
I feel like creativity is kind of uh, something you join into, mm-hmm. you know, and if you're thinking about your own self, <laughs> you know, you're, you're interrupting that, that experience of creating. Um, oh, I had this great quote. I don't know where it is. Dang. There's a great quote about creativity, but something about the idea that uh, enthusiasm or creativity is just like where your enthusiasm is. And enthusiasm mm. is just how you experience um, God. And I, I'm, so I'm doing this, this quote, terrible justice right now. <laughs> I get the idea. But yeah, yeah like, like the, the things that you're really enjoying are how you commune with um, either God or the greater you know yeah creative something beyond you and yeah. uh, so well how does how does it work for you if you're writing especially something like a big band chart i know speaking for myself um there's an interesting kind of swirl like the question of when do you feel creatively inspired versus creatively inert mm-hmm. um is further complicated by the fact that there are times when the task at hand is anywhere on the continuum from very generative, like you're, you are creating something out of nothing essentially to relatively mundane and craft oriented. So like right now, the thing that I haven't found time to do is not actually so much about writing music but I've got some things that I'm going to record where I need to make some arranging choices and I need to do things as mundane as choosing the dynamics and articulations for Mm. something that I've already orchestrated so that I can send the parts to the musicians and so on and so that stuff there is a creative component to it but it's you know if if I came up with a creative recipe, this is the part where I have to chop the onion right, right. and uh, and I can have some creative agency over how finely I chop the onion and in what shape and so on, and mm-hmm. how long I cook it before I throw the next thing in but some the the higher order decisions have kind of already been mm-hmm. made, and sometimes. It, it's weirdly convenient if I'm feeling not creative at a moment when um, that's the task at hand because it's like okay, okay you know I'll this is this. just yeah. I, don't, I don't I don't <laughs> have any <laughs> any culinary inspiration but I know what this recipe is and I can chop the onion right, and right. and feed my family and uh, um, and conversely if that's the task at hand and i'm feeling very creative it can be a little frustrating because like i don't want to be like figuring out whether to put a slur on measure 37 like i want to like pursue this idea (laughs) and uh you know i try it's it's i don't know if self-indulgent is the word when when those moments of like serious inspiration come i just try to like steal whatever time i can to like see the thing through while the idea is fresh. And if I can't do that, then I try to at least capture it so it's there for later. But so I'm wondering for you when you're writing, especially something as involved as a big band chart, um, how much creativity versus craft is going into that? I don't know. And does that that depend on where your head is at at a given moment? Yeah, I mean, in response to like, you know, slurs and articulation or dynamics or whatever, I mean, I think the big... Um, kind of advice I always hear from like more experienced like 
big band composers is like, just do it all at the same time. So you don't have to go back and do that stuff. Right. So I've been tra- trying to train myself to just hear in that way. Mm-hmm. So here is the the phrase, you know, and it's going right. to swell or here's the crescendo or whatever. Right, you know? right, so right, that right. way I don't have to go back that and makes do a lot the mundane stuff. So it's weird because I didn't do that for a long time. But like it's such a simple like little piece of advice that you're like, oh, yeah, I probably was thinking about that stuff already. Right. It just didn't even. So I kind sure. of avoid that saves some time. Um, and then like the just I forget what your question well, I guess just sort of was. generally like <laughs> the balance of craft versus um, inspiration you know when you're trying to figure out what's the third trombone going to play yeah. on this passage where I've already pretty much arranged it and can sing it but have to decide whether it's going to be a B or a C sharp and, that stuff uh, to me is like the most is kind of fun the orchestration of it is it's like a, but like do you view that as like a part of the creative process or is yeah. it more just sort of like mundane problem solving for you that to me is creative because you're gonna get you know trombones sound really good in this range you know above you know like between you know a certain range and like um but i can get them to sound like totally different if i put it down Mm. you know or if i rearrange the chord and so for me that stuff i kind of I kind of tinker with a little too much, probably. I spend a lot of my time doing that, but I really enjoy that. Yeah. And I find that very creative because it's about texture. It's about, um, yeah, whatever kind of mood you're setting. So it's not just like, hey, I need to hit a, you know, a C7 sharp nine. You know, I, it's like, well, what's going to give me that kind of punch that I'm looking for? You know, how can I get them to do that? Like, what? what's the thing that's going to extract that out of the, that musician. And so, um, so for me, like, I'm kind of like, well, let me try this. And so I'll usually do like three or four, like if it's a section that I'm really questioning ab- mm-hmm. about, like I might do three or four different examples of it. And then, um, uh, and then pick which one I think is going to be hmm. the best. So that's cool. Yeah. So, so are there scenarios in which you, do um, have to go either because of the thing that it is that you're creating or because of your headspace where you have to go into craft mode, so to speak, where it's like, I have no inspiration right now, but I need to generate a thing that serves this function. And I know enough about music that I can bang something functional out that does that. Yeah. But I think that, yes, I do do that. But I think that eventually something inspirational comes about like I feel it's never absent it's just maybe not as inspired as you know if we're going to think levels which again I think is not a really appropriate way to to view your creativity process but like yeah like it's inevitable you're going to have one or two pieces of music that maybe are better than other pieces that you've written and so I I've tried, or I'm trying currently, not to think that way about it. So I'm just trying to write, and if it's craft at that moment, like, yes, I need to get this chart done, nothing is coming to me, I just put something down. Because inevitably, within a day or two, or within a week, something comes out. You know, right. And I, I've definitely had times where I'm like, I cannot figure out what comes next in this piece. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know where I want to go. I've tried a lot of things. I feel like the more frustrated I get, the more I have to just detach from it and I sure. just leave it alone or I, um, if I have that luxury of having a little bit of time, like right. I step away from it and then I come back to it and if it's still not there, I leave it alone again or I work through it and mm-hmm. it, I, I find it to be like, 
um, and maybe somebody has said this, I don't know, remember whose analogy this was, but that, you know, when you're creating a, uh, a piece of music, it's kind of like a sculpture, you know, like you have a rock and I'm just like whittling away every day until right, something actually right, right. comes into to shape. And I, I love that. And, um, image to, yeah, yeah. to kind of like put forth because sometimes it looks a little wonky, you right. know, and then eventually it actually looks like something. Right. So. I guess for me, it sort of depends partly on the situation, too, because there are scenarios uh, in which there is this piece needs to exist and it needs to serve this function and it needs to be in front of it needs to be complete, whatever that means, or at least functional by such and such date. And then that pacing becomes really important, even if all those things are Mm self-generated. Like, I chose to say there's going to be a performance on this date. It's not somebody else commissioning me or whatever, but something, some wheels have been set in motion that are time-specific. And Mm -hmm. then, hopefully, I feel inspired, and if I don't, then... I just figure out how to corral what I need in those moments. But then there's the stuff where without those kinds of external um, mandates, I want to create something. And so on some on one day, I'm just like, you know, I just don't feel anything. And it's not a goal-oriented thing or a tangibly goal-oriented thing. And so mm-hmm. if I'm not feeling it, then I don't pursue it. And then other days, it's like, okay, this song that has no no obvious tangible function in my life is starting to come to me and I'm just going to follow that. And though, mm. you know, in, for me, at least in, in those moments, I mean, it's great when I can have those moments and there is actually a tangible use for the thing, but mm. um, there's often for me a fairly distinct process between I'm inspired by this thing and I'm going to follow it and worry later about, what it is or what function it's going to serve as compared with, you know, I wake up and there's an idea and Mm -hmm. I see it through as opposed to, okay, the rehearsal is next week. And I told the musicians I'd have their parts to them by yesterday. (laughs) And so I need for there to be notes on paper in order to see this thing through. It was Interesting. I was just telling somebody about this yesterday. You you were there as it was happening, but uh, I mean, you weren't literally there, but you were <laughs> like, you were you were present in my life sphere when this was happening. But okay. in uh, in uh, 2011, I had or maybe it was 2010. No, 2011. I had written this really expansive suite called Know Thyself, which aside from being musically fairly ambitious was also um, emotionally very draining mm-hmm. to, um, it was even physically draining to play the piece, but uh, um, it was just took a lot out of me. I put a lot into it and felt very depleted mm-hmm. after I finished that. And that depletion stayed for a while. And it was fine. I'd arranged some Stevie Wonder music. I did other things to be creative without having to generate something from the ground up. Mm-hmm. And um, I felt fine about that. But I was starting to get a little worried that I, I didn't... You know, I wasn't inspired to write music and mm. had gone at that point probably a year and a half, two years where 
I'd written little thing, functional things like etudes for students here mm-hmm. and there, but hadn't hadn't had any what I would deem creative inspiration to create something from scratch. Right, right. And like, so when is this going to happen? And I'm not going to push it. I mean, I'm uh, honoring how draining it was to do something that was that emotional and personal mm-hmm. and so on. And I and Kate and my wife Kate and I were having this conversation. Um, and she just jokingly said, we should have a competition. I don't even remember what sparked this. We should have a competition uh, about who, or we should have a competition, who can write the best song about the recipe for granola? <laughs> okay. Um, and she probably forgot within five minutes that she had said that because it was just a stupid thing that You're she like, said while we were having motivation. a stupid conversation. <laughs> and, yeah. and I was like, hmm, you know, <laughs> like as soon as I get a challenge like that, yeah. I become, I have the potential to become obsessed. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's actually the reason why I have not in years, I've done this in the past, but I've not in years entered into any of these things where it's like, write a song a week or right. or even with, with colleagues or or friends like okay you know let's let's challenge ourselves that every x amount of time we have to check in and have produced y thing Mm -hmm. because i know that once i have that i become obsessed and i can only do that if i actually have space in my life where it's not going to impair my basic (laughs) functionality (laughs) i do and i know and i know that and i know that i need to maybe uh Maybe not right now, I'm just but, joking. <laughs> um, but we so, can do it at some point when you're ready and have the time. <laughs> thank you. And so she went away for a couple days, and I wrote this song about um, about. It was like I remember it was a Saturday. I wrote this song about um, granola. Mm-hmm. and recorded it and did like a one man band thing on my laptop uh, where I played guitar and bass mm-hmm. and I don't remember what else jaw harp or something and sang it and uh, um, and felt like stimulated by that process in a way that mm-hmm. I hadn't in a while right. woke up the next morning and another song came to me. Yeah. And well, I think you're hitting on something is that like creativity in this, this kind of way is like the more you do it, the more it's there. I, I mean, for me, at least I've, I've had those times years where I haven't done a lot and then kind of feeling like, well, maybe I just can't do this anymore. And then you get into it and you start something. If you have one little spark, I, I kind of rail against a little bit the like, I, I'm in a, like, I'm not, I'm in a dry spell, you know, because I think that people are creative all the time. Sure. It's just that whole experience for somebody, I think is what they're, they're, they're longing for. Like they're longing for like this inspired piece of, of something coming to you. And I, and I, I don't, I don't buy that really, because for me, it's like, I mean, I definitely have songs that I'll wake up singing or whatever, but that is not the only creative thing that I can do. And like some of the times it's more of like that chipping away at the stone and making the, the statue come out, you know, instead of, um, sure. I hear you. And I've I've done that plenty of times in my life too, but this was a different experience. Right. Wait, I'm not saying your experience wasn't legit or anything. I'm just saying that you're also creative or you can you can cultivate creativity and in a daily practice. Oh sure, and so, I've I've done that too. What, this was a this, however, for me, it became that, but yeah. it really was just like 
the level of I wouldn't even say creativity because I could have been creative and you know when I was arranging the Stevie Wonder tunes I was being creative I just Mm -hmm. wasn't generating something from the ground up and I didn't I didn't really want to because I Mm -hmm. was so emotionally depleted that I just didn't I didn't feel I mean it's interesting because music doesn't take up physical space necessarily and so it's not literally an environmental thing but I'm I've gotten to a point in my life where I don't generally produce for producing's sake. Right. And, uh, but so I had this other song come to me that was basically just sort of like an expression of rage over a childhood trauma. Mm. And within like four hours, it went from this idea to having recorded it and I like thrashed around on Kate's drum set and like Mm -hmm. thrashed around on electric guitar and basically sounded like a Neil Young song from the late seventies crazy horse song. I don't know if that means anything to you, but, uh, um, I just want to, I, cause I, well, let me finish my okay, story. Finish then you can, story then you can I'm going to tell me that I'm wrong. But, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I hope um, I can remember my question. I should have a notepad. But so that this was during, and so she, Kate comes home and I'm like, here's the song that I wrote for this competition. And here's this other song that I wrote. And what was striking to me then that I had never really thought about. And that's been a kind of guiding principle since is the, and I mentioned this earlier in this conversation, but obedience to the muse Mm -hmm. because I was hearing things and my, my intellectual response was, dude, you're a jazz musician. What is this thing that sounds like a Neil Young song going to accomplish for you? And I'm like, you know, this feeling, this feeling of inspiration, I know I've, I've generated, I mean, writing method books, I've generated hundreds and hundreds of pieces that were just like, I need to bang out a thing that is this many measures that does this thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I know I can do that, but there's something precious about this feeling of engagement. Well, that's and, what uh, I wanted to ask about. It's precious to you. Right? Sure. Like, cause I don't think anybody else necessarily would necessarily be able to say, okay, that those things that you, you know, pushed out on those days, you know, and then maybe you gave them some other things. I'm just saying, I, I, I wonder if this is us as artists. Like, do we get connected to those feelings of how they come about? Yeah. Well, or, I mean, and to like, me, you can't, you can't like say one is better than the other. It's just no. more precious to you because you experienced it. I didn't even say it was it. more precious. It was a certain type of precious. Okay. You know, it was just a certain type <laughs> of experience precious. that I hadn't had in, in years at that point. And, right. uh, and I just said, what was new for me and what has been liberating ever since, I mean, mm-hmm. that was now like eight years ago, uh, was that sense of, okay, if I'm feeling inspired, I need to pursue this thing. Mm-hmm. And whether it's smart or whether it's logistically feasible mm-hmm. or whether it fits into what I intellectually decided I should be producing mm-hmm. is not something that I, if I want to continue to have this experience sometimes, I need to find my flow, so to speak. And right. and so I'm like, okay, you know, if I keep having song ideas, I'm going to go with it. And mm-hmm. it happened an average of once a week for the rest of that year. That was like mm-hmm. during the summer and I banged out 24 of these songs in six months. And, oh, cool. uh, and most of them never saw the light of day outside of my own computer and like Kate and my therapist heard them and... Uh, <laughs> Um, some of them were really personal and Mm -hmm. raw and most of them were maybe not artistically substantial. Mm. Um, 
but that momentum carried me through my next couple projects that were actually disseminated to the world beyond. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I got several years worth of um, momentum out, out of, of that, that personal experience. Yeah. And so, cool. and, you know, I've focused so much on the external historically of being prolific and mm. producing this and that and so on that I hadn't really given, it had been years since I'd given myself permission to just feel the creative inspiration and essentially let it channel through me without being self-conscious about what form it would take. Right. You know, I mean, some, you use the uh, imagery of uh reductive sculpture, you mm -hmm. know, carving away at something or, or chipping away at something. And I've heard some sculptors who work that way say that when they see the piece of granite, they see the sculpture yeah, within right. it and their job is to remove Just all the remove stuff it. that isn't the sculpture. And, right. uh, and there are times, it doesn't always work this way, but there are times with me where like the idea comes in a flash and my mm -hmm. job is to figure out how to make the thing that I'm creating most resemble the thing that was in that flash. Right. And I mean, I mean, it's all, I feel like it's all the same. I mean, you, you, you said chipping away. I mean, when I'm writing, it's not like I don't have an idea of what's going to happen. Sure. I just don't know exactly how I'm going to get there. Oh yeah. So it's not like I don't have a picture in my head of what should be happening. It's just like, oh dang, I'm stuck on this one little area or how am I going to carve out the ear? You know, like yeah, I can yeah. see it, but I don't know how to get it. You know, yeah, like yeah. that's what I'm talking about. So those are some of my most fun moments, right. honestly, when that's it's exactly, it's, it's really fun to kind of not know. Oh, and, yeah. and, so what I, I, I mean, I, I'm a little different. Like I definitely have those flashes of time, but they're very like, like far and few between like what I actually do, but I feel super creative all the time Yeah. with that other stuff. You know, it's kind of like you're just, you're, you're hands on figuring out what's coming next. And then, totally. and I hear things and then I'm like, oh, I heard that yesterday, but today it doesn't sound the same, you know? Right. And like it, it, that, that process, like, pff, I love it. Like I, mean, that's I one of the reasons do that why all day, every day for like the rest of my life and totally. be totally happy with and nothing else. <laughs> and I actually, Basically, I, I enjoy arranging for that reason because mm -hmm. it's allowing myself to get into those spaces without the pressure of having to also generate the primary content right you know that's right. one of the reasons why i um have enjoyed uh co-writing stuff with you is that um which i hope we'll do more of uh yeah that'd be fun. because it sort of takes me out of my own head enough mm -hmm. to be interacting with things that i didn't generate yeah and yeah and that that actually i did um Right after I finished grad school, there were a couple guys that we got together and just had, we wrote some charts and then we would pass them around to one another. And then each of us would take the other person's music and arrange it. Hmm. And that was really, really fun. We only did it for like a couple of, a couple of things and then everybody got busy and we right. just forgot about it. But, um, I would love to do that kind of stuff more too, because it's taking a piece that you might not even have heard. So it's different if mm -hmm. you're like trying to arrange a standard or a pop tune right, or whatever. That you already have a relationship. Kind of have some kind of thought to it, but you get a brand new piece of music and you're trying to interpret like what you think that should look like. And that was, that was fun. We should do that. Okay. That would be a fun thing to do too. So, um, but to a lesser extent, we already have when we've performed stuff together where we've, true offered feedback on one another's tunes uh, yeah. in that setting. Yeah. 
very true. But yeah, so it, it, it's interesting, I guess, for me, partly the emotional state that I'm in, my relate, my sort of emotional relationship to music and to the creative process at the moment that I'm generating something. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so right now you're in a good place. You're feeling really creative and stuff. Well, I guess I'm in a place of clarity. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got... Uh, I. If I had a month with nothing to do, I wouldn't. I would feel pretty clear on what, what I, to do. what creative things I would generate in that time. Right. And uh, and I guess I, I mean, it's different for me. Probably also, I don't know what the chicken is and what the egg is, but with my physical disability. Uh, with not performing in the winter as a result, and just generally sometimes feeling better physically, sometimes feeling worse. There's a certain seasonality to my, is that a word? Um, To my perception (laughs) of most things, many things where like I don't, and I know this makes me weird as far as musicians go, but uh, um, (laughs) unusual, but uh, like I'll sort of go through not literal calendar seasons, but through, uh, or earth rotation seasons, but I, I'll have seasons, so to speak, periods where it's like, okay, now I'm generating stuff and now I'm refueling mm-hmm. and now I'm doing the mundane work to compile the stuff that I've already generated. And I actually like working that way. Mm-hmm. I, you know, the, I encourage anyone who is a serious composer and, or, relatively new to doing it to develop a daily practice mm-hmm. and, and or who has very specific ambitions and developing yeah. certain skills, the daily practice and like, I'm going to write X amount of time at this time every day, whether I f- quote unquote hear anything or not. Right. Um, that's, that's a really effective, just like any other kind of practice. It's really great to get into that kind of space. Right. Um, for me at this point in my life it actually is working better to kind of go through phases Mm -hmm. and like be in a writing phase and then be in a um, refueling phase so Mm -hmm. to speak and uh, so those the I it in a weird way allows me to give myself over to the writing process or the creative generation process Mm -hmm. that aspect I mean I'm creatively generating stuff every time I come up with a stupid analogy to explain something to a student <laughs> or whatever, but, uh, yeah, um, but that particular type yeah. of, uh, yeah. of, um, generating sounds and in some cases lyrics in my case, um, there's, a. it's easier for me to give myself over to that process. If I know I'm going to refuel when I get to the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea that, uh, it's weird to hear myself saying this. I've never actually, you, you're drawing this out of me, Jen. I've never articulated <laughs> in this way, but I've... Uh, this superpowers. I know. Um, <laughs> it's the sunroom. Uh, it's the sun. No, it's you. Uh, but um, <laughs> if I thought, wow, you know, this flow of, quote, creativity, unquote, this particular, like, inspiration to generate music, if someone said, actually, you know what? here's the secret magic wand way to open that spigot and have it flow indefinitely. 
Like you could have this creative inspiration nonstop every day for the next three years. That would exactly, exactly. (laughs) Like I wouldn't want that right now, which is sounds weird when I hear myself saying it, like the idea that I um, would actually prefer not to have that. But, you know, I think, well, cause I think you understand that like it draws so much out of you, you know, you can feel physical tiredness after being creative yeah. in that way, after really working and working. And then you're like, Oh my goodness. It's- and some of it is sort of the, the physical fatigue of emotionally devoting something. Right. And some of it literally is physical that like, yeah. I'm like sitting at the piano, going back and forth between the piano and the computer to, uh, enter the notation and so on for like four hours and I forget to drink water or use the toilet or whatever. And, uh, (laughs) I'm trying to get better about that, but, uh, but when I need to use the bathroom, when I actually get into that zone though, like I'm it's self care goes out the window until like the phone rings and I look and I'm like, Oh man, you know, like my kidneys are about to burst and, uh, (laughs) um, and I'm completely parched and hungry. And, uh, um, but man, those 17 measures that I generated in those hours, are, are uh, Isn't that crazy pure gold that you can like I, I've talked to other composers about this that like you'll just stare at two to four measures and then you'll look up and it's like two hours have gone by and you're like what the heck yeah. how did I think yeah. about this short passage maybe not two measures but a very short amount of time in music for that long it's kind of crazy how we can do that we just kind of yeah get lost in that. So that's why it's so physically demanding because we're just so hyper-focused. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I find it's very valuable for me to be in that space some of the time and it would be pretty unhealthy to be in that space all the time. It makes sense. Yeah. I don't think I'd want that all the time either, but, and just because it takes up so much time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's kind of impossible in a life. Like I don't, you know, I know you, you have a family and, and a house and like, uh, that stuff takes time, you know, investing in relationships and, and, and taking yeah. care of your, your, your life, all that stuff needs. I, I, I have seen myself like invested in music so much that I'm like, Oh my gosh, my house looks like a tornado went through here, you know, or my kids haven't eaten in three days. <laughs> No, I've never not fed my okay. children. I have told them to fend for themselves. They're old enough at this yeah, point. That's a good point. But, you know, or just like, man, I haven't really spent time with them. And like yeah. I was thinking about this this week just because it's school vacation week and I've you know, I, I made myself take time off from from writing and, and practicing just so that I could spend time with them. And that was right. weird. I was like, Man, I haven't really done this in a long time. You know, and that was a little sad in in terms of like you know, realizing realizing that, that I need to actually make that space. You know, um, in yeah, my life. and not I mean, that I haven't spent time with my kids, but I mean, it yeah, was very intentional. Like, we have this week off. I'm going to make something happen this week with them. Great, you know. So, but that's that's the kind of thing I haven't done in a very long time. So, well, and you know, there are some people who are artists who have chosen to divest themselves of or avoid such entanglements in the first place so Mm -hmm. that there's nothing interfering with their creativity or their their time spent engaging in creativity or they have those things but they just 
totally ditch self-care um, mm -hmm. in order to create the time and space to do that. And mm -hmm. I'm, for better or for worse, I think neither of us is willing to go down that road. Yeah, and no. I think the speaking for myself and I think I'm probably speaking for you too but uh, we'll see, we'll I'm probably speaking in a way that is relevant to your life too I will not um, it's okay you can I, I trust you okay <laughs> go for it um, I think the music the the nature of the music that I want to create and that I am here to create so to speak is it kind of demands that attunedness to these other aspects of life mm -hmm. like it's not if I spent if I let those other things wither then I would have a lot less to express and mm -hmm. the extra time that I would put into making stuff would not necessarily make the stuff better or certainly not more reflective of what I as an artist am on this planet to articulate to right. all six of the people who are listening to it and uh, <laughs> yeah. um, no totally I, I mean I I agree you know I think there's some days I kind of I if I'm really honest I don't feel that way and I'm like no this is all I want to be doing but then I, I always come back to like this is the stuff that makes me you know I'm not like I wish I could say that I'm constantly on point with my focus in life. You know, um, I definitely get wrapped up and get jealous of somebody who has no responsibilities or anything and can just focus on, on music. And I'm like, what path did I take? You know, I have those days where I question right. that stuff. Sure. Um, but uh, well, you know, there's general, days when like, we just want to eat cheesecake all the time. And exactly. if we let ourselves do that, then after two days, it's like, you know, actually, let me, let me, uh, Oh, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm just that. being honest. Like, I'm yeah, not, no, of like, course we have those. I love, I love the life that I've chosen, but it also, it does come with like, oh man, this is a, you know, I have to, I have to be more intentional about like what I'm saying, you know, mm. taking those times to be like, this is what really matters. You know, my kids are going to be gone from the house in like a, not too long, you know, they're at, in their early teens and I'm already seeing the end in sight and I got to use those days wisely. So yeah, so putting everything into perspective, which is sometimes hard when you get wrapped up in these these creative adventures, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think I, I use the, because my eyesight is worse than yours, this will be more maybe relevant for me than it is for you, but I use the imagery of uh, stepping back and taking your glasses off. Um to, which is to say, when I step back, I'm taking my glasses off right you can't now. See. <laughs> and, well, I can see, but I can see shapes. Okay. And I can't see the details as well. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like when I had my glasses on, I could see through the window of your sunroom that there were slats on that fence back there. And now I don't see any slats. I just see like shapes. Like a wall, yeah. And now I see the slats. I just put my glasses back on. But mm -hmm. so when I talk about stepping back and taking my glasses off, it's sort of like seeing the very large trajectories of things and not the details day-to-day uh, -day that we get kind of right. caught up in. And so if I look at my work-life balance and my creative engagement versus just rigorous, uh, disciplined practice, mm -hmm. all, all of those things, if I look at it over a 10-year stretch, mm -hmm. I feel pretty good about how I've done that. Mm -hmm. If I look at, But if I look at any given week in those 10 years, I'm like, ah, oh, Damn it, you know, like I uh, I did too much of this and not enough of that. And uh, yeah. 
And so it, I find it helpful to just kind of step back and look at the big picture because ultimately, for me anyway, that balance comes more in the aggregate than it does in the moment. Mm -hmm. Like in a given week, I'm doing too much of this and not enough of that. Right. And it's, you know, I try to not get too frustrated by it, but I get, you know, mm -hmm. I, I'm conscious in those moments that, okay, you know, I have neglected this thing and got sucked into this other thing. And that's just what happened this week. And if I look at this week as the snapshot of my life as a whole, then I'm maybe not going to see that as real balance, which I guess maybe ties in also with what I was saying about the seasonal perspective where yeah. it's like over the course of a month, am I doing enough of this thing? Even if right. on this day or this week I didn't. And over the course of a year, am I devoting enough focus to my loved ones? And am I devoting enough focus to my art? Am I devoting right. enough focus to the nuts and bolts of preparing to teach well and so on? And yeah. Well, that, that whole, even just that word balance is not really a great, you know, like for me, like I've always, uh, I, I've talked to so many, mostly women, just about how they balance, you know, parental stuff right. and, and their lives and their work and their personal stuff. And uh, I've never met anybody who felt they had a balance. And I mean, it, I don't, you know, what you're describing is exactly how I feel. So I don't think this is just a woman issue or anything like that. <laughs> I'm but, a sensitive man. <laughs> but that word balance is not a good way to describe life because yeah. it doesn't, that just never happens. It doesn't really exist. I mean, and it, it makes it you feel unhealthy somehow because you, you're like trying to go after some kind of balance. An ideal that is not and it, it's uh, never attainable. actually, yeah. yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't exist. Yeah, I guess it doesn't exist as an ideal. I like to think that as a principle, if we sort of, detach from uh, if we detach from that sense of inferiority because we didn't reach the ideal of having everything in perfect harmony and just sort of see it okay what what proportions of things are consistent with my beliefs about how I'm going to live and mm -hmm. am I doing an okay job given what's being thrown at me this week of living by those principles. So, yeah. you know, am I, yeah, did, I, did I, did I devote an hour to this thing that I really don't care about at the expense of this thing that's really important to me? Right. And, uh, and you know, if the answer is yes, then we can still forgive ourselves for that, but, <laughs> uh, but sort of help, at least for me helps. It's made me, it made it a lot easier for me to say no to things, uh, from that perspective. Yeah. So in the interest of uh, what we were talking about, about how to find my personal balance, I need to make sure that I drink water and use the toilet on a regular basis. I think I'm going to put a bookmark in this conversation so that I can go do those things. <laughs> that sounds great. I think everybody needs that. So Yeah. All right. People are like, when are they going to shut up so I can go to the bathroom? <laughs> All right. Until next time. Until next time. Thanks, Jen. Thank you.